All right. Uh, sometimes we end with discussing things amongst each other in little groups. And today we're going to start that way. Just to prove that we're not liturgical and we don't do things the same way every week. No, it, I actually just want to do it this way. So wake up into groups of like three or four people. So three or four people just near each other, far from each other, doesn't matter, three or four Everybody kind of find people. If you need to move temporarily, that's okay. You can always move back. Three or four people. And we got a few questions that are going to be up on the screen here that I'd like you to discuss with one another. And this is a safe place. This is a safe place, so we're not going to judge anybody for what they think or for how they answer these questions, right? Right. We're going to listen to each other and honor each other, even if we disagree. Because that's what it means to be a safe place. So let's take the first question up. We're talking about God's love tonight. So here's the first one. What will the advantages be for a child who grows up feeling well-loved versus one who does not? This is the icebreaker, so go ahead and just, you know, talk about it.
move on to the next one, number two. Go to the next one. Is this one of the little too philosophical for some people? <laughs> this one's a little more personal. Again, safe place. If you don't want to share, that's okay. We're going to love you anyway. But if you want to share, awesome. But if nobody in the group shares, it'll be real quiet. But that's okay too.
Let's move on to the last one. Thank you, Eric. All right, let's wind it up in the next minute or so. All right, let's bring it back this way. Everyone, please focus on me instead of other people. Put, turn your attention to where it should be, the dude in the chair in the front. Could you untether me from it's like tied up in the corner there? Thanks. So I am uh, sitting in a chair which anyone who's not blind has noticed, um, because the rabbis of the first century often sat in chairs when they taught. That's not true. I mean, it is true. It is true that they did that. They did it because they taught for so long that, that they would get tired, and they were... And so that's... No. So I'm just saying, it's in the Bible. Uh, no, I'm sitting down because I'm sick. Um, I got bad head cold like a week ago that's just hanging on 
And then a couple of days ago, I got a stomach bug that um, other people had, and I got it. Well, sometimes it's good to win things, and sometimes it's not. Um, now, so I'm going to sit because I don't think I can stand the whole time. So that's why I'm sitting. Um, now, there are a lot of reasons why people get sick. Um, and sometimes it's the devil. And in this case, I think that's what it is. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, poor Nate or anything like that. I think that the devil knew that God wanted to do something really special tonight. And he tried to get me sick. And the cold wasn't bad enough. Wasn't working enough, I guess. So he threw the stomach thing on there too. So I think that the devil was trying to preempt what God wanted to do tonight. And fortunately for us, it's not about me (laughs) being sick or healthy. It's not about me at all. Amen? It's about Jesus. And so we don't have to worry about that. And the Bible says that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I'm weak. And so God's strength is going to be made perfect, which is good. And the devil wanted to preempt, I think, what's going to happen tonight. And God is really excited about what's going to happen tonight. Those are, those are two good things. Those are two things on our side. If the devil's upset and afraid and God's really excited, that's a good recipe for something good. Amen? I really believe that this is not a normal night. It's not a normal communitas. It's not a normal night. God has something really special for a lot of us here. And I had a vision a couple hours ago. I was praying about this. I, I felt like God was really excited for tonight. Like he was sort of like standing behind me, like trying not to giggle too loud. And I was like, what is this? I don't, I don't get this emotion. Um, what, what's going on? And the, the vision I had was of a, of a reverse surprise party. <laughs> bear with me. Bear with me. Normally in a surprise party, one person walks into a house and everybody yells surprise and it's a big fun party, right? Well, tonight we all walked into the house and God's going to yell surprise for us because he has something really important and really special that he wants to give to you tonight. And it's not about, uh, this isn't a setup for what I'm going to teach in the in a sense of like, so this is the best thing you're ever going to hear. So listen, cause dang, it's good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God himself wants to do something supernatural in this place and in your heart tonight. And I think that for some people, and this is, this is a prophetic word, okay? I think that for some people, God is going to begin something tonight that is going to literally change the course of your life. Like forever. Like you can look back and say, that happened then. So, let's pray. Father God, Thank you for your love. We humble ourselves before you tonight, Lord, eager to hear from you, eager to spend time in your word, and eager to, listen, eager to do whatever it is that you ask us to do. We want to submit ourselves to you, Lord God. You are sovereign. You are holy. You are almighty God. Whatever it is you want us to do, we want to do it. So help us to humble ourselves to listen, and to open ourselves up to receive. And even before we start, I just pray against anything that would come against what you would want to do tonight, Lord. I take authority over any strongholds in hearts or in minds that would repel any thoughts of your love, 
anything that they think or anything that they have experienced, wounds on their heart from the past, something that would try to block your love. I rebuke those things and I tear them down in Jesus' name and by the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I got another question for the whole group. Who does God love? Me, good answer. Everyone, another good answer. Okay, so everyone. Nate, also also good, like that one. Okay, God loves everyone. Prove it. When we make, when we make statements about, no, you're right, first of all. I'm, I'm not putting you on the spot. God does love everyone. Every single person, Christian or not, whatever. God loves everyone. But when we make statements like that about God, we need to be able to back it up. Okay, And the only way you can back up a statement about God himself is through this book. This is a Bible, in case you can't tell. Okay, Through the word of God. If the word of God says something about God, it's true. If we say something about God that we make up, it's us making up something about God. Okay, So if we say God loves everybody, we've got to be able to back it up. So who could back it up? That's a good example. Can, can you quote it? Amen. Everybody hear that? John 3.16, one of the first verses we, we learned as kids. And the next verse that follows after it, John 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So John 3.16 and 17 proves that God loves everybody. Amen? He loves everybody, and that's why he came. How do we earn it? Next question. We don't, right? Trick question. You guys are good. You guys are on. We don't earn God's love. Now, we know that. That's a Sunday school answer, right? If we went to a decent Sunday school, maybe. Um, it's, a good, it's a good answer. How do you earn God's love? You don't. We, we know that that's the right answer. But I want you to pause for one minute. Think about your own life. Think about the way you live. Think about your relationship with God and how you interact with him. Are you trying to earn God's love? Because after all, won't God love me more if I go to church more often? If I give more money? If I witness to people about Jesus? If I learn how to prophesy or speak in tongues? If I'm on the worship team, God's definitely going to love me more. (laughs) If I lead worship, I'm like, I'm in. (laughs) Anybody with me? I spent years not realizing that I was trying to earn the love of God. I believed I had it. I believed it by faith. But I didn't realize that deep down I was trying to earn it. I was trying to earn daddy's affection. And I already had it. So just hang on to that for a second. If if that's you, if that pricked anybody's heart, that's okay. Just, Just hold on to that. We don't earn it. We don't earn God's love. And, you know, Paul, I was eavesdropping a tiny bit on the group in the front here. Um, Paul was talking about how being a dad has taught him some things about the love of God. And that's really true for me, too. I've been a dad for almost eight years. And I have learned a lot about the love of God from becoming a parent. And I'm not saying if you don't have kids, you don't understand the love of God. But before I had kids, I understood the love of God as a child. I'm a child, I receive God's love. But now I also understand the love of God as a parent. Because I have kids 
whom I love unconditionally. My baby's 22 months old now. She does very little to earn my love. Now, she is adorable, so that helps. But she doesn't earn it, okay? Especially when she was really little, she did her hardest to do the opposite of earning my love. She tried to steal my sleep. She tried to annoy me. She stunk up the house. She did not do a good job at trying to earn my love, and yet I loved her more than I ever could have imagined before I was a parent. Any parents? Give me an amen. All right. God loves us so much, we cannot earn it. We cannot earn it, and like a parent loves their child, that's how God loves us. And that's, in my opinion, that's actually why God created the family relationships the way he did. God, the, the most common metaphor for God in scripture is father. And he didn't choose that because, oh, they have parents, and this is the best way they could understand me. No, it's the other way around. God said, this is how I am, and I'm going to create the family unit to reflect that. See the difference? Because God could have made us like giraffes that are born with the ability to walk and stand and drink and get our own food on day one. Giraffes, goats, sheep, a lot of animals can do that. They can walk. They can talk. They can do everything almost immediately. Human babies are born with the complete incompetence. They can do nothing. They can't live without their parents. They cannot survive without someone taking care of them. And God did that intentionally. He didn't have to make humans that way. We could have been able to walk. We could have been able to talk. We could have been able to do all that kind of stuff right away. He didn't make us that way because he wanted parents to learn that you have to take care of kids like God takes care of us. And that that's a reflection of God's love. So that was an aside. That was free. Um, the rest, I'll give you the bill later. But um, Okay, so how do we experience God's love? Let's get practical. How do we experience it? Well, I wrote it on the board. You write things on the board, and that's how you experience God's love. Okay, uh, first one, direct download from the Holy Spirit. So we, we ask for more of God's love, or we, sometimes we don't ask, and he just gives it. And it's just like love, download into our spirit. That's awesome and fun. We charismatics love that sort of thing, right? Um, faith. We experience the love of God through faith, faith in the word of God, faith in the word of God. We also, these are the top three, I think. There are other ways we can experience God's love, but these are the top three. Um, the, the last one is we experience God's love through one another, through the body of Christ. Now, I don't think I'm going to get through all three of these today, but we're going to do our best. So, first one, faith in what God says in the Bible, it keeps us stable. Okay, I, I sometimes think of charismatic people like us as kites, okay? We're floating around, we're blowing in the wind, and it's happy, and it's fun, and it's joyful, and we bring joy to others. Um, but have you ever seen a kite start to flounder? Start to go, like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. The wind, the wind changes, it stops, something happens, whatever it is, and the kite starts to freak out, okay? So what stabilizes the kite when it starts to freak out? The string, right? So if we're a kite, the string is like our faith, and that string has to be grounded on something on the, the stick or the handle or whatever it is that's holding onto the kite, right? And that's the word of God. The word of God and our faith in the word of God is what keeps us stable. It's what helps us make course corrections when we need to. It's what helps keep us to be able to fly in freedom without going nuts. Have you ever seen a kite that someone let go of? And it just blew away. We were at the beach once in Japan, and sadly, Andrew let go of a kite and cried for an hour. But first... We watched the kite blow away. 
And it took a really long time. It was a long, painful goodbye to the kite as it blew. What's that? It was a, it was a Minnesotan goodbye to the kite. We were standing there going, we love you, kite, miss you. Um, and then it got caught in a really tall tree just to torture my poor son. He was like, Daddy, can you go get it? I'm like, no. I'm not climbing that random tree in Japan. Um, our faith in the word of God is what keeps us stable. Because sometimes we don't feel it. We love to feel the presence of God, don't we? We love to feel the presence of God in worship. We love to feel the presence of God in prayer. We love to feel the love of God. We love to go to a place where there are other Christians when we walk in and we like, yes, God is here. I can sense him. I can feel him. This is wonderful. I love this. We want to live there all the time. But sometimes we don't feel it. And most of us have probably come to a place in our faith journey at this point where we've come to a place where, where we've realized that sometimes we don't feel it. And sometimes maybe some of you have gone through a season or are right now going through a season of time that you don't feel it. You don't feel the presence of God. You don't feel the love of God. You don't feel the anything. And that's really hard, especially for a charismatic, because we love experience and we love to feel the stuff, which is great. But then what happens when we don't? And I've talked to so many people in this position, and they tend to be very heartbroken and very like, what is wrong with me? Something's wrong with me. Clearly, something's wrong with me. God's left which is not God, right? God doesn't do that. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. Um, is there something wrong with me? Is there some major thing that's blocking the love of God? It, it could be. It could be that there's something in the way, but that's probably not what it is. What it probably is is that God is allowing you to mature. When my son was about one and a half, two years old, he started to learn how to walk. And he'd walk and he'd walk and we'd go somewhere. And sometimes he'd, he'd want up. Like, I don't feel like walking. I don't feel like walking. Because he wanted to be carried all the time. Dude was heavy. He was a giant Viking child, okay? My back has literally never recovered in eight years. Keep praying for my back. It's still not recovered. I love my son, but it is his fault. At seven months old, he was 22 pounds, okay? Which, if you know anything about babies, that is a ginormous child, right? That's almost a Shep. Almost. Um, and so, he would, want, he would want up. I want up, 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 up. And sometimes I would have to say, no, no, we're going to walk now. Was it that I didn't love him? Did I stop loving my son? Did I stop wanting to embrace him? Did I wanted to experience the coldness of, of me being distant from him? No, he just needed to learn how to walk. And the only way you learn how to walk is to walk. And so I had to make him walk sometimes and say no to picking him up. God needs us to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, we walk by faith and not by sight. Sight is one of our senses. It's what we sense, what we feel. A lot of us, it's easy to have a relationship with God based on our senses, based on what we feel. I feel God. I love God. This is so awesome. But what happens when we stop feeling? Do we stop drawing close to God? Does it mean God stops loves us? No. We live by faith and not by sight. It's important to have faith grounded in the word of God. We need to understand, what does the word of God say about his love for me? So that when I'm not feeling it, I can say, but it's true anyway. It's still true. You can be in worship. Everybody's experienced the presence of God. You look around and you're like, man, I'm kind of jealous. I was really getting into this. I got nothing. But you know what? The presence of God is still here. It's still here. He's still here because it says in his word that when two or three are gathered, there he is in our midst. 
The Bible says it, so it's true. So he'll bring us to a place where we need to make our faith more stable through the word of God. And sometimes he'll allow us to stop feeling things for a while. It's called hiddenness. He hides us in himself. So, so we're still protected, in other words. He hasn't abandoned us. It's the opposite of that. It feels that way to us, especially if we haven't experienced before. It feels a little like abandonment, but it's not what it is at all. God's saying, all right, I'm going to hide you away in me for a little while. I'm not going to let you feel the stuff you want to feel so that you can grow up a little bit because you need to mature because we all need to mature. Amen? Because there are times in life where we don't feel it. So we have to get used to wh- learning what the word of God says. If love is the issue God is talking to you about, look up everything in the Bible about love. Look it all up. Write them all down. Get a concordance. Google it, whatever. Read those passages. Memorize them. Get them in your heart. Get them in your soul. So that when you're like, God, I want to feel your love, but I don't. But darn it, you love me anyway, and it says this in your word. And I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to stand on this even when I don't feel it. This is a very important discipline to learn. Otherwise, we start feeling abandoned by God. We start blaming God for stuff. We start pulling away from him. When in fact... What this is meant to do is draw us closer. It's meant to force us to draw closer to the Lord, to seek him harder. Maybe we fast. Maybe we pray more than we were praying before to drive us farther on. And another image that I was told um, by Pastor Gary, some of you know him, um, is that some, it, we're, we're, God is in an ocean, we're on the beach, and we're walking out towards God in this picture, okay? And sometimes God takes a step back to encourage us to come deeper. And we feel that separation because we don't feel the presence anymore. We don't feel the closeness. But it's not that he's leaving us. It's that he's coaxing us to come deeper because God is always bringing us from deep into deep, from faith to faith. He's bringing us on. He's bringing us deeper. And he knows us. And so sometimes, in my opinion, especially for us charismatics who love the feeling stuff, (laughs) Sometimes he has to switch that off for a little bit to get us to come forward, to get us to say, I love you even though, God, I love you even though I don't feel it. I love you even though I don't sense anything. I love you even though I'm not getting all the stuff that I really want right now. I don't care. I love you anyway. I'm going to go after you anyway, and I'm not going to stop no matter what you do. David says that kind of stuff all the time in the Psalms, and God loves it. He's like, yes, that's exactly right. That's the attitude I'm looking for tenacity don't give up all right also not my sermon Uh, but good stuff okay Uh, open up to Ephesians chapter 3 sometimes you just have to teach what God wants you to teach Um, Ephesians 3 so I think that was specifically for some people in here I think some people maybe are in a place of hiddenness right now maybe you're like I haven't really sensed the presence of God in months I don't know if I've tangibly experienced the love of God ever or not in a really long time And if you're in that place of hiddenness, that's okay. Don't despair. And you can come talk to me afterwards because I've got a lot of experience in that myself. Ephesians 3. Uh, I'm going to read verses 14 through 21. If you want to follow along, uh, please do because this is one of the best passages in the Bible. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Okay. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and height, length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Love that passage. Okay, we could teach for months on that, uh, probably literally. Um, I'm going to go just through the major points here. Um, it's, this passage is talking primarily about the love of God and how we experience the love of God. And you may not have noticed it, but it's almost a roadmap. It gives very specific steps in which we are supposed to experience these things. Uh, I think one of the main points of this passage is that God's love doesn't make sense. He even says he wants us to experience the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. It's beyond knowledge. It doesn't make sense. Common sense would say that to experience the love of God, we have to first understand it. Right? You got to understand something before you can really experience it. That just makes sense to us, especially in a kind of scientific culture like we live in. But with God, often the opposite is true. Often we have to experience before we can understand. Believing isn't seeing, or seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing, okay? And with the love of God, we actually have to experience it first before we can understand it. Before we can know what the love of God is or what it's all about or comprehend it, we need to understand it. Look at verse 17. Uh, 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love. Now, that is experience. That's not head knowledge. That's not theology. That's experience, rooted and grounded in love. That's tangible, real, historic, physical experience in your own life of the love of God. That experience of God's love comes first. And this, th that's not just like a one-time experience or a cursory experience or a shallow experience. Rooted and grounded, both of those words speak of depth, and they speak of long-term. Grounded sort of refers to like a building, like building up a building, like a foundation. Okay? So you're grounded in love. It takes time to build a foundation. you got to dig down deep. you got to put in some deep stones, and you got to build it up. And once the foundation is secure then that building's not going to fall over. And that's how we need to be in, God love, in God's love. Everything in our life comes back to the love of God. Everything in your life comes back to the love of God. Rooted and grounded in the love of God. Rooted, that's a tree metaphor, right? I love tree metaphors because I love trees. Now, roots go down deep into the soil, right? A lot of trees, especially the trees around here, the roots are just as long as the tree is tall. Roots are long. They go deep. And they build the foundation, the grounding of the tree itself. That is supposed to be our love for God, it, our love of God. I mean, sorry, our experience of God's love for us. This is all God's love for us that we are experiencing, okay? We are rooted in the love of God. This isn't a one-time thing. How long does it take for a tree to grow its roots all the way out? Its whole life. This isn't a one-time thing. This isn't a class <laughs> or a sermon, on how to experience the love of God. Being rooted in the love of God means it keeps going and going and going, and you keep experiencing the love of God and experiencing it and experiencing it and experiencing it, and it defines your very being. 
It defines who you are. The love of God defines everything about you. To be rooted and grounded in love is the first step here that, that Paul's laying out. To be rooted and grounded in love. That's experience. That's real. Okay? Roots are real. If you're a tree, roots are real, and they're important. Without your roots, you're dead. It's where you get all your nourishment from. Without your roots, you're a goner. Okay? Without the love of God, we're a goners. If all we have is a few fun experiences or a few Bible verses, and that's it, and we don't have this, and we're not grounded and rooted deep over a long period of time, our whole lives, constant, continual experiences of the love of God, then how are we going to stand when the storms come? You ever seen a tree that was partially uprooted? Oftentimes it's because those roots were, were kind of shallow for some reason. Maybe the ground got really hard, so the tree had to spread out really shallow. Very seldom do you see a tree that had good roots going all the way down that gets ripped out like that because it's too strong. The love of God is what grounds us in our life. And no matter what comes your way, you can stand up to it if you are rooted and grounded in the love of God. Because no matter what happens, you can say, it doesn't matter, God loves me. It doesn't matter what I feel, God loves me. It doesn't matter what I don't feel, God loves me. It doesn't matter what the boss said. It doesn't matter what my living situation is, what my work situation is. It doesn't matter that I haven't yet met my spouse that I desperately would love to meet someday. Because I am loved by my Father God. And that is what defines who I am. Rooted and grounded in the love of God. So that you may have strength to comprehend, verse 18. So that, so that means the first thing has to happen in order for the second thing to happen, right? To be rooted and grounded in love so that you may have strength to comprehend. Now that's the mental part. We have to experience the love of God before we can understand it mentally, okay? We have to have the tangible experiences first, rooted and grounded, not just casual, not just, not just cursory experiences, real, long-term experiences. Once we experience God like that and begin to go deeper and deeper and deeper in our experience of God's love, then we can have the strength to comprehend, to understand what God's love is about. If all we do is study the love of God without experiencing it, we have an academic knowledge of the love of God. We know it in theory, but if we haven't experienced it, it doesn't do us any good. In fact, it can be detrimental because then the person who thinks they know everything about God's love starts teaching other people about it, and they don't know what they're talking about because they haven't experienced God. I had a, I had a Bible professor at St. Olaf College where I went to school who wasn't a Christian. And at one point, he's like, you seem to not like a lot of the stuff I say. <laughs> and I was like, well, in terms of academia and in terms of this class, of course, I have a lot to learn from you. You know a lot more than I do. But in terms of my faith, you don't have, have anything that you can teach me because you haven't experienced it. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit, how can I learn anything in terms of my faith? And he was like, okay. He didn't care. That didn't offend him because he wasn't a Christian. And he, and he didn't pretend to be a Christian. I'm not judging him like you are a Christian. He's like, I'm not a Christian. <laughs> I'm an atheist. Here's what the Bible says about Jesus and why it's stupid. Um, anyway, that was a challenge. Okay, that class was a challenge. I was a religion major um, at a school that used to be Christian. And I was fortunately rooted and grounded in love. 
I knew who my God was, and I knew how he felt about me. And so even though it was like, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand this. Maybe you're right. Maybe that's right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I, ultimately, I don't care because Jesus loves me. So screw everything else in a sense. Okay? That is important. Now, I knew a lot of Christians. I, ha- I knew a lot of Christians there who were not rooted and grounded in the love of God. They had a religious experience of God, or maybe they had a tangible cursory experience where they were truly saved, but they were never rooted and grounded in the love of God. And, oh, man, was it hard. It was so hard for them to stand up against those winds that came, as well as just the normal life stuff. Girlfriend dumped me. This happened, that happened. It's hard to stand under that kind of stuff without roots, without being grounded, without a foundation. And that is the love of God. Okay. So that you may have strength to comprehend. So first, we're rooted and grounded in love. We experience the love of God first, and then we have the strength to comprehend it, to understand it, to be able to know, as Paul says here, have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. So there's a lot to know. There's a lot to know about the love of God. And Paul says, we need to know it. My prayer is that you can know it, that you can understand it. I want to understand that stuff. Amen? I hope you guys do too. But that comes after the experience. Uh, I think we mess up that order a lot. I think sometimes, even in evangelism, sometimes we say, evangelism means you tell people about God. And then that'll somehow magically make them want to know more about this person you're talking about. And first of all, that's nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, go find a person who doesn't know anything about Jesus, tell him a little bit about Jesus. We're supposed to give people experiences of the love of God. We're supposed to help people to encounter God himself, not learn about a guy in a book who they don't believe in. The rooted and grounded has to happen first before the comprehension. And we mix up the order of that. I think we do that in evangelism too. I think what we should be about in evangelism is getting people to experience God, praying for them. Whoa, somebody prayed for me. Somebody cared about me enough to, like, take time out of their day. That's weird. That means something. Somebody said I should believe in this random person. Whatever. I don't know. I don't care. The head knowledge isn't as important. Once they start to experience who God is, it's like, whoa, I want to know about this. I want to understand. I don't get it. What is happening? What's going on? The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's one of my life verses. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't stay study and understand that the Lord is good. Huge difference. Important difference. Taste and see. Experience God. We need to help people to encounter the living God as often as we possibly can. And then when they're ready, yes, we tell them about Jesus. <laughs> of course we do. It's not a secret. We're not a cult, okay? But we want people to experience the living God. Arguing people into the kingdom just doesn't work, and we don't see it in the Bible. And any time that Jesus or Paul started getting into those kind of arguments, typically they would leave. In Athens, Paul stood up. He gave this great argument. They're like, we'll hear you again on this. This is interesting. Let's keep debating this. What did Paul do? He got out of there that night. He ran. And the next city he went to, he said, I determined to know nothing among you, except for Christ and him crucified. He learned his lesson. You don't argue people into the kingdom. That's not how it happens. Okay, not the sermon. 
but I do think we get that order mixed up and it's important that the experience comes first so that we can comprehend. And then on to verse um, 19, here's another so that. So that you can know the love of Christ or and to know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ. Now the word know there, it sounds like an intellectual word, but it's actually not. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. How can we know something that surpasses knowledge? That sounds weird. It's because the word know doesn't mean know like here. It means know like in Genesis 4, where Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore a child. Adam knew his wife, is what the Bible says. Now, how many know that Adam did not study about his wife and learn everything that he could about her, and then she got pregnant. <laughs> I, I'm assuming we're all old enough. To, are there any Concordia kids here? I don't want to. Like, oh, just, just kidding. Um, just, just kidding. So, no, no, no. That's not how it works, right? No. Adam knew his wife. He understood her. He experienced He experienced his wife in the most intimate way possible, and that gave birth to life. And Paul says that we might know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That's the kind of know he's talking about, that we can know the love of Christ in the same way that Adam knew his wife, that deep intimacy that brings new life. That's what he wants us to experience. And so we go from... Rooted and grounded, which is long-term experiential, to comprehend, which is mental, back to know, which is experiential again, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It doesn't make sense. There will be times in your life where you need to hang on to the fact that you know that you know that you know that Jesus loves you, even though it doesn't make sense. What God's asking me to do makes no sense. What's happening around me makes no sense. It doesn't make sense, but I believe it anyway. Because I know that God loves me. I know more than I know anything else. And, and, and it took me a while, personally, to get to that place where I knew that God loved me. And I, didn't know, I never doubted again. And most of us have doubts, and that's okay. It's a journey. If you sometimes have doubts about whether or not God loves you, don't be condemned. Okay? Don't be condemned. It's a journey. But part of grounding and rooting in the love of God will lead you to knowing it. We pass from faith into knowledge. We go from the part where we believe this is true even though we don't see it to we know it for a fact. I'm freaking loved by God. Nobody could ever convince me otherwise. I don't care what is happening in my life. I don't care what is going on. I know that I am loved by God. I know that I know that I know that I know. And nothing can ever, ever shake that. Paul wants us to get there. Jesus wants us to get there to the point where we know the love of Christ in an experiential, intimate way, a way that literally rewrites the whole DNA of our being. The Bible says that in Christ we are a new creation. We're a different creation than before. We're not human anymore. We're something else. We're a human Holy Spirit hybrid creature. I'm serious. We're a new creation. That's what it literally means. It means a new created being than before. We're something else. Something supernatural happens when we become a Christian, and every time we encounter God, something supernatural happens. Every time we encounter the love of God, something happens. It changes us. Whether we feel it or not, remember that. Like we said at the beginning, whether we feel it or not, 
when we read these passages and say, God, do this, do this, do this, if we feel it, if we feel the tangible love of God enter us and fill us, wonderful, awesome, praise Jesus, write it down so you always remember it. But if you don't feel it, it's still happening by faith. Amen? That's, that's where our faith can get a little difficult sometimes. All right. Um, and finally, we, we end up in um, the last verse there, 19. So that we may be, f- so that, again, so that, the first things have to happen first, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That sounds kind of cool. <laughs> so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Everything you need from God comes from his love. That's what this means. All spiritual gifts, everything in your life, all blessing, financial, relational, work, everything. It all comes out of your relationship with God, okay? Everything comes out of your rooting and grounding in the love of God. It is the most important thing in your entire life is being rooted and grounded in love, experiencing that love all the time, whether you feel it or not continuing to experience it. And eventually, we can be filled with all the fullness of God. And oftentimes, people ask me, Nate, how do I get closer to God? I want to get closer to God. Um, The answer is really simple. It's not go to church more, read the Bible more, take a couple more classes, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. It's not do anything at all. The answer is to be. We're not human doings, we're human beings. The answer of how to draw closer to God is to be. To be in his love. Just be his child. Let him love on you. Let him. The problem is we block him. (laughs) We stop him. There's a lot of reasons why we do that. Um, We don't feel worthy. We've sinned too much. We we feel like we're disqualified or we've disqualified ourselves. Whatever it is, we we, we try to block God's love. And God, the Holy Spirit's not a mugger. He doesn't catch you on the street and punch you and take your stuff or give you stuff or whatever. Like, that's not how the Holy Spirit usually works. Once in a while... He will take advantage of the tiniest crack like he did with the Apostle Paul on the road. Paul at some point had a tiny crack. I wonder if Jesus may be real. And Jesus is like, ha ha, that's enough. Bam. Son, blinded. And, and that's all God needed in that time, right? But there was some aspect of Paul's free will in that, okay? God gave us that free will, so he's not, he's not going to violate that free will. That's how he set it up. And so we need to ex- re- receive tangibly and intentionally receive the love of God in order to experience it. Again, whether we feel it or not. So it's not about reading your Bible or theology or working harder on your personal sin issues or anything like that. That is not how you draw closer to the Lord. You draw closer to God by being his child and receiving his love. Just have real, tangible, ongoing experiences of his love for you through direct downloads from the Holy Spirit, whether you feel it or not. You ask him to fill you with his love and do all the things it says in the word. We experience God's love as often as we can through faith. We read this stuff and we believe it. And if we don't believe it or we doubt, we ask God to help us <laughs> to have faith. Faith is a gift from God too. If you don't have the faith, if you doubt, that's okay. Relax. There's no condemnation. God, you're, you're still God's kid who he loves, okay, no matter what. Still God's kid who he loves no matter what. And, and just ask him for more faith. It's like the guy who asked for healing for, I think, his daughter. Um, and Jesus is like, do you believe I can do this? you believe I can heal you? And the guy said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I love that answer. It's so honest. It's so awesome. Very King David-like. I believe. Mo- sort of. Most of the time. I don't know. I, ah, help me. And Jesus is like, sweet. Healed. <laughs> he loved that. Okay? Just be honest and ask God for more faith, and he's going to do it. Rooted and grounded in love. Um, 
That's where we need to be. That's where we need to get. We need to get to the place where we experience God's love all the time. I'm going to actually, I'm going to pray first. Um, I'm just going to pray a prayer of impartation on you guys. So uh, why don't you just close your eyes. Hold out your hands like you're going to receive a gift because you're going to. I'm going to pray the love of God into you now. And what's going to happen after I do this is that the Holy Spirit who is within you is going to begin to just push his love out into your spirit, into your soul, into your body. Like, think of it like incense rising up from an altar or like smoke sort of moving out, how it starts in one place and fills the room. The love of God is going to start moving out from the spirit and fill your whole being. And that's what's going to happen now, whether you feel it or not. And if you don't feel it, take it on faith that this is what's going to happen. And if you don't have the faith to believe it, you can have some of mine. You can borrow my faith, and I'll believe it for you. And that is legit. Okay? The guys who brought their crippled friend to Jesus to get healed, the cripple did not believe. Jesus says, because of the faith of your friends, take up your mat and go home. So if you don't have the faith to believe, I'll believe it for you. So you're good. All right? So hold out your hands. I'm going to pray for you. I pray the love of God into your hearts right now. I pray the high affection of God into you. Jesus loves you more than you can possibly imagine. The love of Christ surpasses knowledge. If you could glimpse the tiniest bit of the affection of God for you right now, you would blush and want to run out of the room out of embarrassment. That's how he feels about you. That's how much he loves you. So receive right now in your spirit. Receive the love of God. And whether you feel it or not, the love of God is moving from the Holy Spirit within you into your spirit, into your soul, and into your body right now, filling you. Lord, fill us up. Fill each and every one of them in Jesus' name with your love. Saturate them in your love, Lord God. Making them fertile soil so that they can be rooted in your love. Bring those roots down deep. Bring those roots down deep into your love. Receive the love of God. I feel like we need to do an action just prophetically right now. Could everybody get on their knees? It's okay if you need to face the other way and put your hands on the chairs or whatever. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, kneeling is very important. In the Old and New Testament both, kneeling, the physical posture of humility helps us to focus our hearts and our minds on the humility that we are showing to God. So this physical posture of bowing helps us to show that. Lord, we humble ourselves before you right now. We humble ourselves before you, sovereign God, sovereign creator. You choose to love us, and we're not going to stand in your way anymore. We're not going to stand in your way anymore, Lord, of you loving us. We open up now. Love us. We let you. We let you come in. We give up performance. We give up the thought that we need to perform and we need to do all the right stuff to earn your love. 
you're not really going to be happy with us unless we do all the right stuff. We give that up. We lay it down at your feet. King of kings, we lay it down at your feet because you said that's not true. And so we will not believe it because you said it's not true. And you are God. You are sovereign in heaven and earth. You are the king of kings on your throne. And we bow down before you now. And we say we will not believe what you have said is false. You love us. And we receive that love no matter what. We are not going to earn it. We're not going to perform our way into your love because we can't. You love us already. Lord God, we are not going to let our sin stand in the way of receiving your love. We're not going to let our sin stand in the way because Jesus, 2,000 years ago, you paid for our sin already. Our sin is past tense in you. There is no separation any longer in our relationship with you because of our sin. The temple veil was torn in two. That separation between the presence of God himself, the holy of holies, the holy presence of God and us was torn in two. There is no separation now because of what you did on the cross, Lord Jesus. So when we sin, we repent and we turn back to you, but there's no separation. Our puny little sins can't pull us out from the blood of Jesus Christ because our sins aren't stronger than the blood because you conquered our sin 2,000 years ago. And so, Lord, we lay our sins down before you now. We lay our sins down at your feet, King of Kings. We lay them down and we will not hold on to them anymore. We're not holding on to our sins. We're not holding on to our past. We're not holding on to what we do. We're not holding on to the problems we still struggled with. We're not holding on to those. We're giving those to you. Those will not stop your love from taking over our hearts. Our sin will not stop your love from taking over our hearts. We give that to you, Lord. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your love, Lord Jesus. Have your way in us, Holy Spirit. We give up everything that holds us back. Everything that holds us back. Some of us have experiences from our past that are holding us back from receiving God's love. Maybe a parent or a pastor or someone in a church did something that wounded you, and that's created a wall between you and the love of God. And you might not even know it's there. But there's something blocking the love of God in your, in your heart or in your mind. Let go of that. You're kneeling before the king of kings right now. Set that down before his throne. Lord, I give you my past. I give you my hurts. I give you all of these things that have happened to me. They will not stop your love from ruling in my heart. They will not stop your love from changing my life. Lord, my life will be ruled by your love. My life will be saturated in your love. I will be rooted and grounded in your love so that I can comprehend the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that I can be filled with all the fullness of God. Have your way in me, Lord. Fill me with your love. I give you everything. I give you my heart. I give you myself. I'm going to stop talking, and you just stay on your knees. Continue to pray if there are things you need to give God, things you need to do to receive. Otherwise, just thank him. I feel like there's a couple of people here who are holding on to something 
something maybe that happened in the past, something that you believe. You're holding on to something, saying, no, God can't love me because. God can't love me because this. He might be able to love other people. Maybe Nate is special. Maybe other people are special, but he can't love me because of this thing. That is a lie. I break the power of that lie over you in Jesus' name. I break the power of these lies over you in Jesus' name. You are loved. Nothing is going to stop that. Nothing is going to stop God from loving you. Let go of whatever that is. There is nothing that disqualifies you from the love of God. You are not disqualified. You are greatly loved. There are some of you that need to cry or scream. That's okay. Do it. (laughs) Don't hold back. God Almighty is in this room, and he's calling you (laughs) to his heart. Don't let fear of other people stand in your way of whatever you need to do. Everyone, stay, stay in your attitude of prayer, but I want you to repeat after me out loud, everybody together. Thank you, Father, for loving me. 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 I feel like that is a prayer that some of you need to keep praying just over and over and over again to break something, some sort of wall that's keeping God's love from being experienced tangibly and felt in your heart. So you might want to keep doing that tonight for the next couple days. Just keep saying, thank you, Father, for loving me.
just wanted to add on to what Nate said because it is I just really feel that just the importance of it tonight um, and I was even sharing this a little bit in our small group while we were starting the, in the beginning but for some of you here tonight I really felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that you are worth investing in you're worth investing in and he's called you for a specific time such as this he's called you to different places for such a time as this and and I was even sharing before that one of the most encouraging things that someone had ever said to me is that God believes in you and I think to realize and and really how how that's in, impacted me and letting you letting you know all as well that God can do whatever he wants but he calls you to specific places and gives you specific tasks and entrusts you with specific things because he believes in you. He everyone in this room has a destiny. Everyone in this place has an appointed place and time that God has called you to go and, and things that he's called you to do. But it's in knowing that place and knowing that he believes in you and he's entrusted those things with you because he knows you can do it. I'm willing to bet that if God didn't believe that <laughs> and if he if he didn't think that you couldn't do the certain things that he wouldn't, like even in, if you look in scripture, half the people, even the prophets, they probably just would have been ordinary guys. But the difference was the Lord came to them and said, this is who you are. And they believed what he said and, and where he was calling them to. And he took them to those places because they knew that he was invested in them. And that's really what I felt like that, that the Lord is saying for some of you tonight. He's invested in you. He's all in on you. And to believe it and to stand in the, in the promises that he's called you to. I just want to read this scripture real quick. This is just Jeremiah uh, 4 through 10. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send to you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today that I have pointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overflow, overthrow, and to build and plant. And how mind-blowing is that? How boring would that be? If God just said off to the side, here, you guys stand over here, and I'm just going to do all this work, and you can watch from a distance. But no, that's not how it is intended to be. That's not how God created it to be. You guys, I'm so, I, every time I'm here, and just even with some of you in the room, that you are so valued, and you are so loved. You truly, truly are. God has such cool things and cool plans for every single one of uh, person in this life. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that God is calling each and every one of you to do specific things for his glory and his purposes. But I just really felt like he was saying that you are so 
worth investing in. And just even, you know, even like Nate said, during the week, just even lying down in your bed and even ask the Lord, God, what do you think about me? God, where have you called me? God, what do you say about me? You know, and believe that because it's true. It's not like he's just up there saying, oh, I'll say this because, you know, you know, uh, Ryan's struggling with that. So I'm just going to make that say that to him to make him feel better. That's not how it works. He says it because it's true about you. He says it because that's who he created you to to be. There's specific things that he's placed inside of you that no one else has because that's who he's created you individually. And you can live in the joy and the satisfaction knowing that there's only one of you. You weren't created to be like everyone else. You weren't created to to, to be exactly, to, to preach like Nate or to lead worship like Paul, you were created to be you and God placed those certain things in you because he's invested in you. And he loves you. That's just what I was um, If anybody needs to go, of course you're always free to go whenever you need to. Um, I'd like to pray for people. Paul and I will be up here. Um, If anyone would like prayer, if you feel like God wants to take you deeper and maybe you're you're at an impasse or a wall or um, you're not sure how to break through to that next level of the depth of the love of God, come and get prayer. If you're in a season of hiddenness, like we talked about, where you're not feeling anything, you're not sensing anything, if that's getting to you, (laughs) come and ask for prayer. Um, I I also think... um, This might be for somebody, but um, if you're female and you have a hard time sometimes connecting with or receiving the love of God because of some of the terrible teaching of the church over the years that's made you feel like a second-class citizen or a second-class child of God, that you're not as good as a man or whatever, that's a lie. (laughs) That is a lie. Such a lie. And it's one of the most terrible lies in the church right now. And if that, if you feel that that hits you and you want prayer for that, that might be one of the things that's keeping you from receiving some of the love of God because it's keeping you from approaching him because you're kind of ticked off. (laughs) You feel like he doesn't treat you the same way as he treats men or he doesn't love you the same way he loves men. So if some of you had some of that in your religious upbringing or whatever, come and get prayer for that. All right, so just let's just stay in an attitude of prayer if you want to stay here. If you want to come up, come on up and receive prayer. If you want to go upstairs and eat, that's okay too.